Welcome to the Connection Club podcast. I am Katie Wren. I am a wife, a mom to a beautiful baby girl, bonus mom to a beautiful teenage daughter and successful business owner. I am so excited to connect with you. Sometimes we need to disconnect from the world to reconnect with ourselves. So I am super grateful to be on this journey with you so we can connect together as a community. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Connection Club podcast. And today I have a very, very special guest and her story is just unbelievable. I have to say, I've actually been reading her book this week and wow, Nikki, you are like Naomi Campbell of the world. Seriously, like you're model material. I'm like, I didn't even know about that huge side to you about modeling and, you know, all the epic campaigns that you did. I mean, you're just so humble about it that no one would really know. And that's so beautiful about you. But her story, so she was a model doing international travel as a model, which is insane and doing all these campaigns and dangerously ebbing and flowing with her weight, with her health in the challenges of the model industry, which we'll talk about in a minute, and then turning into this kick-ass boss babe when it comes to nutrition and helping so many people around the world, not only clean up their diet, but just live a better, healthier lifestyle. And that's what we're connecting to today is our health. And it's something that's a, a huge value of mine. And even I myself, I'm not perfect. So I'm like, Nikki, what can you do to help me? And I got a book. She gracefully sent me one and um, I'm about to start the detox on Monday. So I'm gonna, this, <laughs> the next podcast is going to be so crabby. I'll be like, fuck you all. <laughs> That's the cool thing is the detox doesn't make you hangry. You're actually going to feel more clear headed and excited. Like you'll be on cloud nine. Honestly, by the end of day one, you're like on cloud nine. Oh, I'm so excited. And it's so simple as well. So I'm really excited to share more about it on uh, my Instagram feed when I start it next week. So I'll be definitely documenting it and uh, we'll see how we go. And sorry to even bring this up from randomly because all my listeners are going to be like, hey, what the hell are you talking about? But we'll talk about it later on. But wow, bananas. I did not know that. And I at least have a frozen banana every day, half of one. I'm like, okay, no more bananas for me. Whoops. But we'll tell you why later guys. And I just had to bring that up. I'm like, oh my God, she's going to kick my ass. I have a half a banana every day. I'm like, uh-oh. Anyway, first of all, welcome. Yes, I'm that excited. I'm just like all over the place right now. <laughs> welcome. And I'm so excited. And just tell us more about your backstory and go into a little bit more detail about the modeling and what was all that about? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you and and your community and my community. And I mean, I'm so uber passionate about, see, even I'm looking at you drinking your lemon water and it has ice in it and we got to stop that. Oh, really? I'll tell you why. It is like it. Uh, you know, for me, I'm so hyper passionate about helping people. And what I specialize in is unconfusing people because people are so confused in today's day and age about what should I eat? Should I be keto, paleo, vegan, raw? Should I eat meat? Should I not? Should I do this? Should I not? Should I have ice? Should I have bananas? Like what the actual F? And, um, and so for me, it's having gone through this massive journey that if you look at me today, you don't know that I've, I've gone through this. 
but I talk about it freely and, and, you know, with an open heart to, to help people. And I'll, I'll go into that, but let me tell you about the ice. Okay. Lemon water is amazing for the body, but the thing is that we want to do lemon water that is slightly warm. So you never want it to be boiling hot. Yep. Taking the ice out. I love it. Whenever I get a glass- this on the floor right now, literally threw my ice out onto the floor. We'll love deal with that later. Okay. So this yes, is so- ice cold for my water dispenser. That's not good then. That's not good either. So the reason being, think about it when you're somewhere cold, right? It's winter time, you're out skiing and you take your gloves off and your hand is frozen and Uh you immediately try and touch your phone to, you know, like check your text messages. And you know, that feeling when you're holding your phone and you're like, (laughs) and it's like, it's not where you're like, what's, it's not happening. Right. (laughs) Okay. So for anyone listening, it's the same concept that when you take your hand out of your glove or, you know, you've been outside and it's cold and you go and try and touch your phone. That's what happens to your organs inside your body. When you drink ice water, Interesting. they function the exact same as with your hand. And so, you know, we've been taught like, ah, oh, nice glass of ice, cold water, room temperature. It will always be best. And yes, I get it on a like ridiculously hot day. Fine. Do it. But if you're seen like you're not having the body you want, you don't have the skin you want, you don't have the digestion that you want, you get bloated, you don't feel good after meals. There's a few quick tips. So there's take the ice out of the water. And if anything, like when you're at a restaurant, I always order, especially if it's cold outside, I always order like a cup of hot water. It's no charge. They don't charge you for hot water. And I drink that like in between my glasses of wine. And that will help to actually reset the body, especially if you're eating like naughty foods or you're having wine. If you put lemon in it, it helps to reset the body much easier. So the other thing I would say as well is not to drink liquids at the exact same time you're eating. Mm -hmm. because, And I talk about this in the book, but it doesn't allow your body to do its natural process, which is absorb the nutrients, break down everything. It just turns into all this slush in the the body. So just anyone listening, those are some quick tips. And as you can see, I'm like so hyper-passionate about this. My goal is to make things so that they don't disrupt your lifestyle. Because if it doesn't disrupt your lifestyle, it means you will continue to do it. If it's a disruptor, you'll do it for a week and then go back to what is normal. So we're trying to make the new normal non-disruptive in the health industry, or Mm -hmm. I am. Okay. Love it. Take a breath. Love it. it. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Love it already. Okay. Let's, Let's go back to, tell us about your modeling days. Yes. So I was always a pretty skinny girl, but I was what you would call skinny fat in that like doing diets with my father. My dad was always a pretty thin guy as well, but it just, you know, the trends you do. We did like the cabbage soup diet. We did Atkins. We did the South Beach diet. We did Slim Fast. Like I did all the diets growing up. Like I was always a tiny little girl. I did them because I was bonding with my dad, not because I needed them. So then I went into the modeling industry and I decided to graduate university before I went to, before I did the modeling thing, just, you know, you need a plan B, even if you don't think you do. And I lived in Shanghai, Sydney, Seoul, Bangkok, Athens, London, New York, LA, all for modeling. And what's hard is that the industry tells you one agency will love you exactly as you are. Another agency will tell you, you need to lose, you know, three inches off your hips. Another agency will say gain weight. Another agency will say, oh, your nose is funky. Like we have to Photoshop all your photos for that. And that's because each agency specializes typically in, in more fashion runway. Another one specializes in more commercial. And so 
I was bopping around in different countries from that. And South Korea, they told me, you know, can you lose weight on your upper thigh, but not your lower thigh? How do you you even do that? You don't. You don't. That's a thing. And so what happened was it set me off in this binge mode where suddenly they were like, oh, gain weight. And I'm like, okay. And so I started binging on all the things. And once you start binging, you feel like shit because you're putting too much sugar, you know, alcohol, carbohydrates, salt, like all of it too much too quickly. So, and your brain is not clear. So within all of that, and long story short is that I modeled for quite a few years and I got, I mean, over the course of that, with all the restriction and eating, I gave myself two eating disorders and I had anorexia and then I also had binge eating disorder. And so mm-hmm. binge eating disorder really can be characterized for anybody. Anytime that you go and binge because of an emotional thing that you don't want to deal with, that's what binging is. Now, my, my friend who's a famous nutritionist in the UK was asked by a magazine, and I want to say this because it's a very big, big distinction. She was asked, you know, there's something like 13% of people in the UK, and this applies worldwide, of people who have an eating disorder. And my friend who's the nutritionist said, no, that's not true. Only 3% of people have an eating disorder. And the journalist was shocked. Only 3%, that's not much. And she said, but 97% of people have disordered eating. Interesting, yeah. Pretty true because, and especially as women, we're like, eat this, don't eat this. I want to lose weight. I don't want to lose weight. I want to enjoy my life. I don't know what to do now. We get flustered and then we sabotage ourselves. Mm -hmm. So within all of that, I actually had two clinical eating disorders And I went to an eating disorder clinic in London where I was living and it was a six month waiting list to get admitted. So it's like, I don't really have six months. Like I'm 80 pounds right now. I don't, you know, yeah, I was skinny. Um, That's probably what my arm weighs. (laughs) Right. Like that's, yeah, that's like what my head weighs now with all this knowledge. It's crazy. And so, and like I'm skinny now, but it's based on, I eat whatever I want. It's balanced, but it took me so long to get there. So Throughout this journey, and I'll go really quick on this, I went to the doctor, they gave me antidepressant medication, and I took it for three days. And I was like, I am a bubbly, happy person. I need to figure out why I'm not happy. And then I moved to Amer- back to America, and my insurance didn't cover therapy. And there was no acupuncture wasn't a thing yet. And so I'm like, I don't have money for therapy. I don't want to take antidepressant medication. I can't go to an eating disorder clinic. I don't have money for conferences or, you know, courses, that sort of thing. And so I just started filling my brain with knowledge about nutrition and exercise. And throughout this period, I mean, when you look at me today and you hear my story and my vibrancy, I was on sleeping pills on uh, Ambien for five years straight. I was hospitalized twice for insomnia. I had electrodes hooked up to me for a sleep study because I, no matter what, like I couldn't sleep. I was hospitalized in Bangkok. I was hospitalized when I was a kid at seven and 14 for acid problems. So I was put on the strongest antacids possible. I was on Accutane three times before I was 21. And my dermatologist said, you might just be one of those unfortunate people that has to be on it the rest of your life, right? I had anxiety, depression. I thought about suicide often because I was suffering so much. So where I am today is only because I went through so much suffering. And during that process, I learned the strategies that work. I learned what doesn't. I learned how to get over an eating disorder, which is the hardest thing in the world, without going to therapy and things like that. I learned you know, why food and nutrition is so important. And my light bulb moment was 
when I started having more followers and I was selling the detox and everything, I said, I need to know that someone like Miranda Kerr or Giselle, people that I looked up to in the industry in modeling, I need to know that they have a bad day and that they binge or they drink too much and they feel like shit and that they get over it, that they're okay the next day. I need to know this for my own life because I feel so alone. Mm-hmm. And of course, they never came out and I couldn't just go message them. And so for me, my career really became about, I want to let people know that no matter where you are, you are not alone, that I have been there, you have been there, right? That like we are there to help people. So that's why I'm so passionate because I've been through all of this suffering and I've come out on the other side. And because of the suffering, I appreciate life and health and vibrancy. And I appreciate getting to help other people. So woo, take another breath. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my gosh. I love all of it. And just reading your story in the first chapter of the book, really, and you know, you go into depths about it and it just gives a real picture of actually what the model industry is like. And it's not what we see in the magazine. It's really pretty ugly in a pretty way as well as like such a double-edged sword to it. It is. And I must say, unfortunately, I actually find the social media world as bad, if not worse than, than the modeling world. The modeling world, everyone was skinny and we knew it, but there was less cattiness that social media world and influencers and, you know, like the comparison, the comparison on Instagram is a thousand times worse for me than what I experienced with modeling. The thing is with that as well, is that these are everyday people who are on Instagram that we can easily look up to, that we can relate to, that we see on a daily basis. We have to physically go and buy a magazine or you know, see on a, a catwalk show or a TV show or something like that to see it. We have to go out of our way to see these models. Now, it's a lot easier. I feel like it's a lot easier. You can just click a button and all of these images are there from influencers and stuff like that. And like you said, I totally agree. It's 10 times worse now because they're doing all of this stuff to their image and it's not real. It really isn't, you know? So I totally agree with you. And um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to share with that. Like we promote the best side of our life. So for example, I just did an IG live yesterday with my audience and one of the girl I was telling you earlier, who was 220 pounds when she did my detox, she continued the principles of it. She just had a kid. Now she's 151. She, I brought her onto my, my IG live and she was even saying, you know, I love that you teach balance, Nikki. And I was like, and I, I held up a wrapper and I was like, here's the thing, you guys, I had Snickers and beer and chips last night. And my audience is like, what? And I'm like, seriously, like I'm still human. It's not this like give all end all. You can't have that. And so I share that in that what I put, no, I don't post the Snickers, you know, bar on my feed, but people need to remember, and this is where health and wellness really starts. It's not about the food you eat. It's not about the exercise you do. It's about the mind and how much you judge yourself. Because if you're judging yourself for eating the pizza, well, that's going to be 10 times worse than the actual pizza was. And that's what, you know, throughout the book I talk about, yes, we then add food and all of that. But on Instagram, I share the best things. Yes, I share the real sides, but like, I don't share when I'm crying and depressed because I'm trying to inspire people, Mm -hmm. but I'm still real. And so everyone needs to remember that we put our best self forward on any social media channel. The same as like when you go to lunch with people that you're like, you know, but you're not super good friends with, you're not going to be like, ah, I mean, you know, me and Lou just got in a huge fight and like 
all that. It's like, no, you wouldn't do that. So we always put these filters and these masks on and social media is no different. We think it's real. Yes, totally. Totally. So let's connect a little bit to the emotional side of eating and what that looks like. Because we had a brief conversation. So actually how, we'll go back a little bit, actually how me and Nikki met was on a catamaran in Hawaii. I mean, what an amazing place to meet another soul, right? It was insane. And we really got to share an epic moment. There was four of us. There was me, Luke, Nikki, and her friend as well. And we were just sat there on the catamaran and all of these dolphins were just swimming by. It was so beautiful. I mean, oh, I could just sit and live there for a second and just be in complete bliss. But it was such an amazing moment and how, you know, it's all meant to be, how, I don't know, whatever you believe in the universe, God just had a plan for all of us to meet at that one time. It was so beautiful. And um, since then, we've been chatting back and forth about health and nutrition. And we had some deep conversations on that boat too, which were really interesting. And we talked a little bit about the emotional side of eating. And, and we talked about the <laughs> certainly what I do sometimes, which we'll go into a little bit later on. But let's connect to the emotional side. This is what I want the listeners to really grasp about nutrition and the mental side of it as well. Let me jump in there, actually, because we connected really on if you tell me you're craving, I can tell you about your relationship or what the craving means. And I talk about it in the book as well. So for anyone wondering, you know, what, where I go into. And so I said, Katie, what do you crave? When, you know, just when you had a bad day or a long day, what do you crave? Chips. And you, chips, right? And I said, oh, okay. For the English people, crisps, remember. Crisps, yes. And <laughs> I said, okay, do you ever crave sweets? And then you said chocolate. Mm, Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. If it was in the UK, then yeah. I would be yeah. all over it. But here, I don't care for the chocolate at all. Or was it chocolate or like sweets? Uh, no, not sweets really. I can't. It's too sugary, but definitely chocolate. If I have it or if it's a particular type of chocolate, I will have it. Like if it's lint or a really good quality chocolate, I'll have it. But if it's... But we're talking about a binge moment where it's like, you know, you just... It's like more from- chips, I have to say. Like you should see our cupboard. It's full of it. Like... Because we've got a party this weekend, so we're catering for everybody, but it's literally full of it. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, hard to not eat it. And so what I had then said was, and anyone listening, if you want more details in the five-day detox, five-day real food detox, I talk about this in depth. But if you go, and I'm the same, I love crispy, like crunchy, salty, you know, if you're craving that in your like binge moments, or if you don't want to call them binge, just you crave them. That is because you have built up stress in your body and your mind that you haven't released yet. And so the very act of the crunch within the jaw releases the stress. And I told you that and you were like, oh my God, (laughs) you know me, you get me. And then the same with, if you crave sugar, it means that you're lacking sweetness in your life. And so, and I won't go into details, but I was able to within one second, tell you about you and Luke's relationship where I don't, I don't actually know you guys. And you were like, how do you know that? That's (laughs) So within all of that, your cravings are, yes, your cravings can be based on like sugar addiction, all of that, but where they start from, which is more important than the actual addiction of, you know, like, yes, we get addicted to sugar very easily, but where they start from is the emotional And so you have to ask yourself, you know, anyone listening, in my go-to moments, do I go to sweet or salty? So if you're going to chocolate or sweets, but mainly chocolate, because it does give you the boost of serotonin in your body, you're lacking sweetness. Otherwise you have too much stress. And this is human nature. There's nothing wrong with you. Cravings are cravings, binges are binges. There's no judgment, right? Like we all do it. So 
within that, I try to then guide people on not cutting food out, but let's get to the root cause. And so I'd said, Katie, like, you know, tell me what's going on in your life. Why do you have so much stress that you like aggression that you need to get out? And that's where we started snowballing from all of this. Because mm-hmm. once we tap into the emotional side, the food, you don't even need to discuss the food. Like when I work with a client, the first month, everyone comes to me, they're like, I want to lose weight. I want to plan. We don't talk about food for the first month. Wow. Terrifies people because that they think they need to. But then I have a three month program that I say, I guarantee results, whatever your goal is in three months. Like after three months, we don't work together because I have a strategy, you know, and a methodology that we go into the mind because the mind is so powerful. And, and that's why diets fail. That's why you gain weight because it's not about the actual diet. It's the food doesn't matter that you're eating. As long as you're eating clean, it doesn't matter if you're eating keto, paleo, raw. It means that you're sticking to a routine, you're cutting the shit out, but what's more important is when you come off of the diet or have you been able to make it into a lifestyle? That's the hardest thing I feel like people struggle with is you know they go on these things and then they haven't found that balance where they can sustain it and keep on doing it. This is why I asked you even before we started recording, I was like, can you do this like five-day detox as an everyday thing? And you're like, yeah, totally. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Like, why would I even ask that question? Because it's so simple. And it, I mean, certainly for me, who's a little bit more advanced in my health journey, for somebody who's starting off fresh with their health journey, you know, they know they eat too much sugar, they know they eat too much chips or takeaways or, you know, all of these nasty things that they tend to put in their body, drink too much soda, you know, too much tea and coffee, especially if you live in the UK or, <laughs> you know, or Europe. How does somebody start off from being in that place? Because I know tons of listeners will be going, well, yeah, I have no idea where to start. How do people get started on a health kick? And how do people take that step and more so stick to it and not go back to the old habits? Absolutely. And I love that we're starting here. I mean, I will say, do my detox. That's even if it wasn't my program, if it was your program, I would promote this like nothing else because I've had hundreds of thousands of people do it and they all have the same result, which is reduced bloating, weight loss, sustained weight loss, clear head. So fatigue goes away, brain fog goes away, better sleep. Like after day one, you will be flying high. And that is because you're flooding your body with so many nutrients. But so let's say you can't do the detox, which it is available as a book and an app. I'm not trying to be salesy at all. It's just, that's where I tell people to start because I've written a five-day plan. Even if you did it for only one day, you will still see benefits. But what I have people do is actually start with a gratitude log. Again, before we even start with the health, because when you're in a place where you don't like your body, your skin isn't clear, you're not feeling confident, we have to work on getting you grateful for where you are. Because when you start to be grateful, you start to make better decisions. So for anyone listening, I do a daily gratitude log every single morning without fail, right? And it's five to 10 things that I'm grateful for from the past 24 hours or in that moment. Like you can be grateful for your bed. You can be grateful for that you had a glass of water this morning when you felt thirsty. They don't need to be these big grandiose things or they can be. So we start with a gratitude log for anyone and everyone. And then I would say one of the easiest ways is to start your morning with lemon water. People have heard it. This is, you know, I'm not sharing anything new. I'm not reinventing the wheel, but there is a reason that it works. And I do lemon water, or if I don't have lemons, I do warm water with 
like a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, which gives mm. you the same benefits. Yeah. And for those listening, the reason that this works is because the warm water helps to stimulate the digestive system. It's the first thing you're putting in your water, not ice cold water. That's really bad for your body. When you wake up, you need to stimulate it. So you have a bowel movement. The other thing about that is I always tell clients, do not keep eating until you've had a bowel movement. So we should be having a bowel movement after every meal. If you don't like I go two times a day. Okay. So then I don't typically eat more than three times a day because otherwise the food is getting backed up. And that's then what causes all this toxin buildup. It manifests on the skin as breakouts. It keeps us like lethargic and sluggish and that, you know, brain fog, all of these things. So not this continuous, like I must eat three meals, focus on the bowel movements. And if you haven't had one, don't eat until you do or eat, you know, lightly and keep drinking water. But so starting your morning with like half a lemon squeezed in warm lemon water, not boiling hot, that stimulates the digestive system. It also gets everything cleansed that helps with skin and it also reduces cravings. So first thing in the morning, you are now giving yourself this ample opportunity to succeed, right? It's instead of making it this hard to do thing of like, I can't eat this. I don't even care what you eat for breakfast. Just have lemon water in the morning and naturally you will start to see cravings go down. And then the second thing I would say, and this is the easiest one, count colors at every meal. So have three colors at every meal because all the phytonutrients in each different color. So like you have your purple group, your red group. So your orange group has beta carotene. That's good for eyesight. You have the greens, which help take out any cancer causing cells in the body, right? So instead of it being like, oh, like eat this, don't eat that, don't eat meat, eat meat, like count colors. So those two things alone, along with a gratitude log, like how simple are those? Very, very simple. And, it, and it's taking out the counting calories and actually counting colors instead, which is so much better than counting calories because that only works to a certain extent. And then, you know, it can turn very unhealthy if you go there, basically. Like I've, I've been there in the past. I've seen great results from it from other people, but myself, I'm like, oh, you know what? This is just driving me crazy. And you can fill those calories with really bad foods anyway. You know, like if you look at a banana or a Kit Kat, they have the same calorie index. Right. Well, and here's the thing about counting calories is the things that you would normally count are processed foods, meaning that they have gone and calculated the things that we should be eating, such as plant-based. I don't care if you're vegan or not vegan, plant-based meaning, did it come from the earth in some form? Doesn't have calories written on the skin of the apple right? That's where we want to go is, does it have one ingredient, three ingredients maximum and as least packaging as possible? So can you go to a farmer's market and buy it? And then people get into this like, oh, well, I have to prepare it. And it's like, or not. Like when I'm in a bind for time, I go and get organic black beans, organic chickpeas, and then you rinse them. I get cucumber. I chop that up. I'll get some tempeh, chop that up or like lightly fry it. And then I create just like a quick little dressing. Like it doesn't need to be complicated. You now have your protein fats, throw some avocado on there. So then you have your, yeah, your protein fat and your carbohydrates and something like black beans, for example, which you'll eat a bunch of all the things in the detox are very high in protein, being lower in carbohydrates and being high in fiber. So black beans are the only food on the planet that have the protein to fiber ratio. And we know we need fiber in our body to 
help all the insoluble fiber move out. And, you know, people go to like fiber one bars. No, that's chemicals. That's like non-food. So like black beans are one of the simplest things to cleanse your body, get the protein. They fill you up. They taste great when you add, you know, salt to them. And I will say what I am massively passionate about, and you can hear my passion, right? Like I'm, what I'm massively passionate about is that we need to, as a society, change the way we talk about food so that it's not this, I'm eating healthy. I'm going on a detox. What is currently labeled food today should be labeled toxic food yes. or not food. And what is currently labeled healthy food should be labeled food, just food, nothing else. Because when we say the word healthy, there's this negative connotation that it will be boring, bland, taste bad, cardboard, salad. But then food is chips, crisps, teas, coffees, barbecue, right? And those things should be called non-food. Mm, if we make a simple shift, like healthy food, it's not healthy to me. It's just food. Mm. And the, well, the, the most beautiful thing about food is a lot of people don't see it as a fuel. They see it as pleasure, that they eat for pleasure and instead of seeing it as fuel. And when you put bad foods or over-processed foods in your body, that's not fuel. It's actually draining you from life. It's draining you from energy. And we need to see food as fuel and not a pleasure sort of thing. So it's tell us more about the emotional side of eating and why people tend to binge eat. And you know, we talked about it a little bit about why people crave the salty and the sugary. But is there any other aspects to emotional eating? Because I get this a lot with you know working with juice plus and people wanting to take the product and be healthier and things like that. And they just say, you know, I, I don't know when I'm upset, I just go and eat a lot of food. And it could be anything and everything. It's not so much, oh, it's just salty or it's just sugar, but they could go out and eat takeaways or they'll go out and eat ice cream or a full tub of ice cream or whatever. Like, let's talk about more about the emotional side and really connect to that a little bit more because I know how much it will serve people. It will get them to awaken their conscious mind to it where they go, hang on a minute, why all of a sudden am I just like, binge eating or craving foods and like what happens to the brain when it goes through that process? I love this topic. In my second book, Meal Prep Your Way to Weight Loss, in the second one, I do an entire chapter dedicated to emotional eating. And in that, there's a section that I call it, make it a beautiful binge. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go into what that means because the more you can make a binge into a beautiful binge, the less it becomes guilty. So there's something associated with us that when we're binging or craving or going out and eating the takeaways, we've associated it with being bad. And therefore we go into the screw it mentality. Oh, I'm eating this pizza. Well, I shouldn't be doing that. Screw it. I'm going to go eat all the things now. I'll start my diet again tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when we starve ourselves when we restrict food. It's because we're restricting an emotion that we don't want to feel. It's all about restriction emotions. We don't want to accept that there's something going on. So that's the ultimate form of, I am just not going to let myself feel whatever it is that's coming up for me. You know, I have many years of that. Many women do where we're like, I'm just not going to eat today. You know, I feel kind of fat. I'm just going to skip food. And we know that doesn't work, right? You get hungry and then you go binge because you're hungry. Or there's the I'm not going to eat carbohydrates because they make me fat. And then what do you do? Instead of eating healthy carbohydrates like sweet potato or even potatoes or rice or quinoa, 
you then go and binge on the pizza and all the things being like, because your body physically needs nutrients. It needs carbohydrates. And I don't care, you know, all these fad diets that come out saying like, well, you're going to eat minimal carbohydrates and we're going to pump you up with fat, like the keto diet. I'm like, that is not sustained. That is not healthy. Your body needs carbohydrates for your brain to function. This isn't about the body. And this is the other thing. Like we get so tied up to how my body looks. Okay. Would you prefer to have your ideal body for the next year? All the readings it gives you, they want to have the perfect readings and all of these things. It's like, whether it comes to the scales or the keto thing and like, guys, just put that down. Would you, and I say this, would you rather have for one year, the perfect everything, but then in one year die because you were so unhealthy? Or would you rather find balance and still have the body? Like I have a better body today, working out less, eating what I want with total and complete balance, happiness, no brain fog. I sleep, you know, like a baby. Would you rather have that? It might, yes, might take a little bit more time because the quick fix doesn't work, but have a lifelong of feeling great, having confidence, having clear skin. I mean, I'd rather take the second one. So within that, it starts with this emotion that we're either starving, something that we don't want to deal with, some sort of emotion, and it typically revolves around our purpose, that we don't know what our purpose is, and so we're in a job that we hate, but we can't give it up because we have a fear of failure. And I'm, you know, I'm going to be like rattling off a lot of things here that's going to talk to people because I've been there and know it, right? When we feel like we're in a job we hate, we're not making the money we want. We have to, you know, you have three kids and you just signed on with Juice Plus because you want some passive income because you're sick of spending time for money, but you know that you need this money. So you can't quit the job, but you can't give it everything you have to your passion. You get frustrated. And what happens when you're frustrated? You need comfort. Mm-hmm. And the difference between wellness and illness, this is the most important thing that I found in all of my finances. Do you know the difference between wellness and illness? Oh, tell us. I'm on the edge of my seat. Oh my God. The only difference is I versus we. Mm. Because illness comes when we focus on ourselves and when we're feeling bad, we try to self-medicate, i.e. with food, we get pills, we sit there and drink, we do drugs. It's all I, I, I. Human suffering is caused by I, me. Wellness is community. You are well when you go to other people when you have a problem. And in today's day and age, we are terrified to say, I'm suffering. I have depression. I have anxiety. I have postpartum depression. I have anorexia. I have binge eating disorder. We are terrified to show that we are not perfect, especially with social media. And so we get more and more into this, I, 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 I will fix it. I will go to a yoga class by myself. I will go to a soul cycle class. And even though it's a community, I'm there for me. And so we get into this I mentality, especially with success. The more successful you are, the bigger house you buy. So now you have a couple that lives in this giant mansion on opposite ends. They don't really talk. And there's now this disconnect that it's all about me because I must be successful. Mm-hmm. I must be that on my own. And when you go into a we mentality, that's where wellness starts. That's why I have the community I do and I love it. And that's why you do as well, because you're empowering people to get together as the we, as the collective. And I know I'm like rattling off a lot of things here, but if you are stuck in a place where you are binging, where you feel like you don't have a purpose, 
where you hate your job, where you are wondering how you're going to make money, if you're not in the relationship you want or you want to be in a relationship, all of those, you have to shift to a we mindset. If you're looking for your ideal partner, your soulmate, you're not going to do it alone. You have to go out and be with people, be with friends, go to places where mutual, you know, like, like attracts like. So go to places where you would meet that sort of person. Or if you hate your job, that means that you have to cut some toxic people out of your life. And that could be your boss, your coworkers. And it means stepping into our fear. When we deal with our fear, most people will then restrict it because they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to admit that they don't like their life. And so they don't eat because it's easier to put your emotions on your body and how you physically look than it is to deal with all these really scary thoughts that we have. Or we then go into binge mode because we don't have a friend to go to or a lover or a partner that can just sit there and hug us and nurture us. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how to go and ask for help. And we're pretty bad at receiving it as human beings. So, you know, like even if I go and say, Katie, you know, I'm in a really bad place right now. I need your help. You might be really busy. But you step out of that busyness and you come to me and you say, okay, you know, I'm going to come over. I'm leaving my meetings early. I'm coming over with a bottle of wine and we're going to sit there and we're just going to chat all night. We're going to have a slumber party. And I might say, no, I, I don't want you to leave. I feel guilty that you're leaving now. That's not me receiving. That's keeping me in an I mentality. And this is where binging craving starts because we're not able to ask for help and go to the we collective. We stay stuck in this eye collective. And when you're in the eye, that is where suffering is. So for anyone listening, your binges, your cravings, I love you for them. I love people when they have these problems because I've been there. I still have the other night. I had my full binge. And the difference was I admitted that I was having the binge. I did it out of love. I created a beautiful binge, which I'll talk about. And through all of this, the next day I woke up and I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to have my lemon water. There was no restriction the next day because I didn't feel guilty about it. Mm. And I told my boyfriend, he was the one that went out and actually bought me the Snickers and bought me the chips. And he sat there and he started, you know, like eating some of the chips. And I was like, babe, um, just so you know, for future reference, if I'm having a binge, don't touch my food. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, okay. I was like, but you can sit here with me. And he did. He sat there while I ate Snickers and ate these chips with zero judgment. And I had zero judgment on myself. And then the next day I went and journaled to figure out why did I do this? Why was I binging? And what I found out was there's a lot of disappointment I hold in myself right now. And it's human nature. I'm not perfect. I have disappointment in my own life all the time, every day, right? I'm not where I want to be in certain areas of my life. So to be able to be aware of that, and that's why journaling is so powerful too, to understand not just like, oh, I've been, I'm a bad person. You're not a bad person for eating food. My God, you're not a bad person if you do drugs. It just means that there's some unresolved emotion that we got to tap into. And that's, I love doing that. Does that even include, you know, when people are bored, because I get this a lot, like, oh, you know, when I'm at night and, you know, the kids are in bed and da, 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 like, I just tend to be bored and I bored, I like bored and eat. Yeah. It's the same thing because you're bored in some aspect of your life. Your boredom is that you don't feel fulfilled because if you feel fulfilled by getting in bed and journaling and reading a book, you wouldn't go bingey. And the other side of that as well is that when you focus on the body and getting pleasure from food, 
like I don't eat at night because I know I'm not going to feel energetic the next day. Mm. And so someone, it just means there's a disconnect with how you feel versus how you want to feel. And then there's a lack of fulfillment. And so then someone who boredom meets, I'd say, okay, where do you not feel fulfilled in your life? And most often it's, you know, I don't want to go to my job the next day, or I love my kids, but they don't fulfill me like a partner would. And then I can say, okay, so is it that, you know, are you missing love from a partner? That's always what it is. We want love. And so then I tell people in that moment of the binge, and this is why like the programs I run are so successful because I find out the trigger points of when people are most likely to binge. So it might be nine o'clock. Well, at nine o'clock, you're going to get a text message from me. (laughs) I love that. Hey, baby, how are you doing? How's your day? And because you feel like I care about you, you're less likely to binge, Mm. right? So boredom is just a lack of fulfillment in some area of your life. And I want to go into what a beautiful binge is because I think it will help a lot of people. Yes. And, And this took me years to get to. And when I say like, I used to binge, Oh, baby, I would order a large pizza, sometimes two. I would then feel so guilty that I would go get a bottle of wine. I would drink that. I then felt guilty from that, that I would go back to the store and get crisps and hummus. And then I would get chocolate bars because when you have salty and you're binging, you then want sweet. And I would do this until the point where I, I wanted to vomit. My stomach was so full. So when I say I know binging, I am a professional binger. Let's say I've, I've done it. <laughs> in my past. So the way a beautiful binge works is to say, okay, I have a massive craving for pizza right now. Not even a craving. Like I know I want to binge right now. First step is you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to allow myself to do it because the binge gets worse when we say we're not going to do it. Right. So you have all these chips and crisps and, you know, all the things in your cupboard. And so let's say you and Luke get in a fight or, you know, your daughter, like you just get frustrated. You're like, ah, I just want some chips now. I would say, okay, allow yourself. You're going to say, I'm going to sit down and binge today. And the mind is like, what? I'm getting permission to do this. This is weird. But then what we do is you have to sit down and figure out exactly what it is you want to binge on. And we're going to eat that exact thing. So let's say you love binging on pizza or ice cream. You know, in these binge moments, we're like, I want this and this and this. You sit down and you say, what do I really want? Like what binge food would just like, oh, do it for me. For me, that's pizza. I love pizza. But I also (laughs) be like, I really am craving, I'm craving chips, but I'm really craving pizza. So then you'd say, okay, I'm going to have a pizza. I'm going to order my favorite pizza and it can be Domino's. It can be microwave pizza can be, it is, you're allowing yourself to have the worst food in your mind, but we're, we're now allowing it, which takes away judgment. And then what you're going to do is say, do I like to have pizza with beer or what? Like for me, I love pizza and red wine. It's my favorite thing on the planet. And this is where the beautiful binge came from. The story was I was in LA. I knew I was going to binge. And I went to Abbott Kinney Pizza. I got three of these like New York style slices that are like each the size of a small pizza. <laughs> I, got three of them. I took them home, put them in the oven. I got a bottle of wine. I put the slices on a plate. Having eaten them, they were like an extra large pizza by the time. I sat down, I put my favorite movie on. I lit a candle and I allowed myself to eat the very thing that was a binge. And yeah, I felt kind of crappy the next day. I didn't feel good. But because I allowed myself to do it, 
it took away all the guilt associated with it. And then I was able to journal and be like, okay, so why do I think I ate that pizza with no judgment? And anytime a judgment comes up that you say, oh, I'm fat, I shouldn't have done it. I'd say, repeat these words. How interesting. That's it. How interesting. How interesting I binged. It takes away the mind going, oh, I look fat today. How interesting. The mind is like, what? I, oh, okay. It's kind of like, you know, you put a, a little dimmer on that voice that likes to tell us all the bad things. So the beautiful binge is, first off, just accept that you're going to do a binge. Accept it. And don't judge it. Then find the food you really, really, really want. And it could be all the chocolate in the world. Great. You are now allowed to eat all the chocolate in the world. And then you sit down and you put the chocolate on a plate or you put the pizza on a plate or you put the chips in a bowl. You don't just grab them out of the thing. You must make it a beautiful binge. And then you get a glass of wine, maybe a rosé, maybe a Sauvignon Blanc, or maybe you don't like drinking. So maybe you love coconut water. You get it with a glass of coconut water. Or maybe you just, you know, you have a TV show like Friends. You love to also binge on. Well, put Friends on, put your big ass bowl of chips in front of you and sit there and have a beautiful binge. I love that. That's so beautiful. And I think the word binge can look so negative, but it's also the same as just having an enjoyable, pleasurable experience with food in some sort of way, or even just adhering to those cravings, you know? And I know that when people think of the word binge, they think the negative of the kind of anorexia type model. And it's not that case or anything like that, that, you know, you go and eat a ton of food and then you would binge eat and then you would then throw it all up or anything like that. Like we can create a beautiful, you know, outlook on it instead of thinking it fits so negatively. Like that's so amazing. And, and even though, and Nikki goes over this in the book as well, when we actually crave something actually means something else as well that our body's actually lacking, which, you know, is pretty common knowledge, but maybe not to common knowledge just to some people. But again, it's just what your body needs and what your body craves. It could be just lacking something like chocolate is a big magnesium thing that you're lacking in magnesium in your body, you know, and there's ways to fill that space up and fill that gap up in your body. So it's learning those little things as well that makes such a big difference. And health isn't, and nutrition isn't complicated. It really, really isn't. And that's, I think, what we've learned today. But the emotional side to eating is such a big part that not a lot of people talk about really. So, and that's why all these diets keep coming up. And like, if you look at the Atkins diet, that was, it was done in like what the eighties. And then they did a revamp of the South beach diet, early 2000s. And then they've now done a revamp of like kind of the paleo diet. And now they've done a revamp of the keto diet. And it's like the reason there is a resurgence of all of these is because they are not sustainable long-term and there's twofold. That's because they're restricting something like If you're starting to crave pizza, that is because you're not eating carbohydrates. Point blank. If you're craving pasta, you go eat a sweet potato, right? Go put cheese on a sweet potato, that sort of thing. But it's going back, everything starts in the mind. So I always tell people, and they're they're kind of shocked by this. I say the food you eat has nothing to do with the food you eat, meaning that we have preconceived notions that have been put into our head from childhood. So we now, people get associated like, oh, barbecue in, you know, let's say you live in Texas, barbecue is a huge thing. So there's now this notion that are like, you know, tea and biscuits in the UK as well. There's this association between 
tea and biscuits or barbecue, that it's family time. It's like, that was my, my time to sit and relax. So there's this now association in your subconscious mind, your unconscious that we don't know, we don't see that says, oh, tea and chocolate is comfort. That means like I get to settle down. So then that becomes our automatic default or the same with barbecue. Oh, growing up, we had all these amazing family get togethers with barbecue. And even though I'm 300 pounds now, that's still my comfort. That's where I go to because it's been associated in our mind, hardwired in our mind. And so the way that you get out of the emotional eating and the binging and you never have to diet again is yes, count colors, start doing simple things like lemon water, but really start with the counting colors and then doing a gratitude journal. And then we, the next level is, you know, once you start feeling better from that, you then get into the little more of the emotional side of it to say, oh, you know, when I was a kid, what did I create? Like, what did my family have? So like for me growing up, there was always wine at the table. My parents are European, they're British. So there was always a bottle of wine. So there's this association that wine is comfort for me. So I'm a little more dominant to have wine at night than I am, you know, dessert because there was wine there growing up. This is an association my brain has formed. So the food you eat really has nothing to do with these decisions you think you're making today. They're based on things going on here. And that's what's so beautiful is it's so easy to start to change and then see the lasting results. And it's it all fit together. It's, it fits so, so nicely together and we'll wrap it up very, very shortly. But just to cover one topic, because I know this is such a big issue that so many people struggle with. And you know, myself, I've been through depression as well. And how can we change our mindset kind of, or how do we get ourselves out of depression with food and with the mindset? Oh, great question. Thank you for asking. Depression typically, I mean, it starts with you're not feeling good in your life about something, right? And anyone that's going to argue with me on that, I'm going to, you know, call your bluff and say, well, you have a relationship, you feel loved and supported and nourished. Do you love your career? Do you wake up with passion every day? If not, then passion is pretty easy. And and depression is only where we expect ourselves to be. So the expectation, like I had the expectation and the image that I was going to be a Victoria's Secret model. And then the reality was I was not. And so depression happens when expectation and reality don't meet. Easiest way to look at it. It takes the judgment away. Your expectation of how your life should look and where your life is, they're not there. So depression in between. So First and foremost, we start with just that knowing and saying, where am I not fulfilled in my life? Okay, now we can get to the food side. Depression also happens when we're putting things that give us brain fog. So like you are going to feel so clear-headed and happy this week that even if you were depressed going into it by day five, and yeah, like it's challenging like all things. There is meal prepping involved. If you want to see a result, you have to make a change to what you were doing. That being said, it's a pretty easy program to follow. But you will feel so clear-headed that you'll be making decisions just like, oh, boom, 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 boom. So with depression, it's starting to count colors again because we need to flood the body with nutrient-dense food. And I could sit there all day and say, don't eat soda, don't eat, you know, don't drink alcohol, don't have cigarettes, don't, don't, don't. But the moment I tell you don't, what do you want to do? You want to do it more. You want to do it more. So instead, I just say, count your colors. I go to my Instagram feed, get inspiration from all the colors that I post. And I can, if you're interested, I can explain why the colors thing matters so much because it has to do with nature. But so starting with that, the lemon water, again, it's nothing out of the ordinary. 
It's flooding your body with water, but not ice cold water with room temperature water. If you hate water, and a lot of people do, put fresh lemons, put fresh mint. One thing I love doing is getting mint tea bags. So again, we're trying to avoid cold water. You can put a mint tea bag in like a bottle like this of just normal water and it brews the exact same. You don't need hot water. So now you have this beautiful minty tea or you can, you know, brew it overnight with um, hot mint. So just adding, or like, let's say you like fruit, fruity taste. You just put a fruity tea bag in and it brews the same. So flooding our body with water is going to be vital. And that's nothing new. I'm not, you know, sharing anything people haven't heard. It's putting plant-based foods. So that's, instead of saying plant-based, vegan, this, that, the other, I don't like going there. That's why I say just count your colors because it takes away this judgment of like, well, I'm not vegan. It's like, well, I'm not asking you to be vegan. Right. <laughs> so that's so beautiful how you take away that label because then we put so much pressure on ourselves. Like, oh, I'm, I can never have a burger again because now I'm vegan. It's like, no, just count the colors. That's amazing. That's one. If that's one thing you take from this podcast uh, episode, it's that. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. And and I'll just very very quickly talk about why we count colors when you look outside. When is your favorite season? What does it look like outside? Oh, God, that's a tough one. But it, oh, I'd say if I'm back home in England, it's autumn for autumn. sure. Because Why do you like autumn? Well, it's, a, all the, it's all the bloody colors, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Well, that's it. It's all the colors. So spring, summer, autumn. It's all about colors. The eyes get drawn to these beautiful oranges and reds and purples and blues. And when the sky is blue we come alive, we become more vibrant when our environment is vibrant colored, Mm. when it's full of saturation. And so it's no different with food. When you have a plate full of all these vibrant colors, your brain goes into the same mechanism and kicks off the same chemicals than if you go outside in autumn and you look at all the colors. And now the benefit is that instead of getting vitamin D from the sun, you're getting vitamin A from your blueberries or you're getting beta carotene from the carrots, for example, and or lycopene from tomatoes. And all of these different things are good for the body. And all you've had to do is replicate your favorite season and the colors. Wow. That is so beautiful. Oh my gosh, Nikki, you've given us all of our beautiful listeners, really something to dive into and think about. And the way we can plug into Nikki is through her social media. Please, Nikki, share all your social media platforms so we can get access to you and follow you and get some inspiration. I love it. So Nikki Sharp, N-I-K-K-I-S-H-A-R-P on Instagram. And and I love when people come and say hi. So if you're listening to this and you find me from there, please come and let me know. And then you can find just putting my name in uh, Facebook as well. I I tend to use my personal Facebook more. So if you want to be friends, friend me. And then, yeah, my website's Nikki Sharp. And I, as you can see, and I hope that, you know, anyone listening, like I am uber passionate about this, uber yeah. passionate. And if I can help people with simple strategies like this, where I don't think anything I said is like too esoteric or hard to follow. If I can help someone get to where they want to be with such a minimal change, then I win. I succeed because I'm uncomplicating help. And that's what we really want. Beautiful. Beautiful. So guys, check her out on Instagram, Nikki Sharp. And she also has a website, www.nikkisharp.com. And then her book is what I'm doing. And um, it's the five-day 
real food detox. You can find it on Amazon and things like that, but it's not a big book. It's really simple. It's quick and easy to flick through and just got all the recipes in there and it's laid out perfectly or the shopping list. It's all there, guys. And I'm, you know, like I said, I'm pretty healthy, but I'm looking to take my health and my energy vitality to the next level and create some even more healthy habits, which I'm so excited for. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful for you. Honestly, just that moment from the catamaran to all the conversations we've had since then and just coming on the podcast and, and sharing all your beautiful insights. I'm so grateful for you. And I'm just so grateful that you've been on that journey to be where you are today, that you get to serve and help so many other people as well. Beautiful. Thank you, my love. And I'm grateful for you and all your all of your wonderful listeners. I'm just I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to share. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for connecting with us all today, guys. And we will see you next week. Take care.